0: Welcome to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. After today's episode, I can say like Jesus on the cross. It is finished. This is the eighth and the last episode of this series, The Suffering Love of Jesus. We started in the garden. And now we've come to the last three statements Jesus made on the cross right before he breathes his last breath listen and enjoy it says in first john chapter 4 god showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him this is real love not that we love god but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins the suffering love of jesus is about the great sacrifice that jesus made and the links that the father and the son went to to reconcile and restore us back to him and it is about walking and confidence that you are loved by the father with the same love that Jesus and the father share with one another in 1st John chapter 3 it also says see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God many times we look at our circumstances as a way to know if God loves us but our circumstances and seasons of life change some are good some are bad death sickness accidents tragedy there are no respecters of persons and they strike believers and unbelievers alike when we compare ourselves to others we have a bad tendency to think their life is so much better than ours we envy them and we want what they have sometimes those people make better choices than we do sometimes they don't and you know perception is not always reality sometimes we do need to make learn to make better decisions but there are many famous wealthy successful people out there they're absolutely miserable and they're hurting however we can have confidence that our father loves us with an everlasting and a faithful love that is a million times more dependable than human love or passion We can look to the cross and the suffering of Jesus and know we are loved. Being confident that the Father loves us, it doesn't necessarily mean he's pleased with everything we do. We all do things that don't please him. But the more we understand his love for us, the more our hearts are changed and we want to please him. Before we pick up where we left off from the last episode, first, I want to briefly mention the first four statements Jesus makes on the cross. Second, I'm going to just finish the biblical narrative because it's really short. And just keep in mind, I put this story together uh, from the four gospels, attempting to make it one flowing story. Third, I'm going to explain the last three statements Jesus makes on the cross. Here we go. The first statement Jesus made on the cross was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Second, He said to the revolutionary, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Third, he directly addresses his mother and the apostle John and says, Here is your mother and here is your son. The fourth statement, he says, My God, why have you abandoned me? After this, some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought that he was calling for the prophet Elijah. Then it records in the Gospel of John that Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine was sitting there, so they soaked it in a sponge and put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When he tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he shouted out, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then he breathed his last breath at that moment the curtain in the temple or in the sanctuary torn from the top to the bottom the earth shook and the rocks split apart a roman soldier and other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened they said this man truly was the son of god when the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what happened They went home in deep sorrow, but Jesus' friends, including women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want bodies hanging there the next day, which was a Sabbath, a very special Sabbath, because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering their legs to be broken, Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the two men who were crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. So they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. The Apostle John says this report is from an eyewitness giving an account, an accurate account, He speaks the truth so that you also may continue to believe these things happen in fulfillment of scripture that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on him whom they have pierced. Now let us explore the last three statements Jesus makes on the cross before he breathes his last breath. If you remember, Jesus was nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. in the morning. At noon, darkness fell across the land until 3 p.m. Between noon and 3 p.m., Jesus utters his last four statements. His fourth statement was, My God, why have you forsaken me? We've already talked about that one. The Gospel of John kind of gives this feeling, though, with the last three statements, which I will discuss now, We're much closer together, and it was right before he dies. At least that's the feeling. We don't know exactly. The assumed time of Jesus' death is 3 p.m., based on the Gospel of Luke's account. Jesus' fifth statement on the cross is, I am thirsty. I think this statement is one of the harder ones to understand. The reason is because in the U.S. in general, we really don't struggle with hunger and thirst actually the u.s population struggles with overeating over drinking and, a, and being overweight more than other countries in the world i can honestly say that i've never really truly been hungry or struggled with that i'm not saying i never like felt hungry or went exterior, extended period of time not eating or having fasted uh, but what i'm saying is that the lack of food and drink hasn't really been a big issue in the U.S., and I mean that in a, in a general sense. I'm not saying that there isn't people out there in the U.S. That, is, that are not struggling to put food on the table, but in the ancient world, hunger and thirst were a much bigger deal. I grew up in Mississippi. And I played sports a lot when I was younger, so I can remember being really thirsty a few times due to a lot of activity and growing up in a hot and humid climate. You know, most health enthusiasts they make a really big point to you know tell you to stay hydrated drink lots of water jesus grew up in galilee in the middle east and was crucified outside of the city of jerusalem in a hot climate he'd been horribly beaten probably was dehydrated and would naturally feel thirsty But this statement has much more meaning than just natural thirst. But before we go there, this statement does point us back to the story in Exodus. After they had been delivered from the power of Egypt, they were on their journey to Mount Sinai. They were experiencing problems with thirst. Let's review them briefly. The first one was after they had crossed the Red Sea and they sang the Song of Victory. They came to the Oasis of Mara. However, the water was too bitter to drink. So they complained and demanded, what are we going to drink? They had traveled three days in the desert without finding any water. You would expect this kind of complaint. I mean, most of us, especially Americans, have no idea of this kind of thirst unless you have taken a hike through a desert and you didn't have any water to drink. It makes perfect sense. You would feel like you're thirsting to death. Moses cried out to the Lord and he showed him a piece of wood. He threw the piece of wood in the water and the bitter water was made good to drink. Kind of reminds you when Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus died on a cross, a piece of wood, wood that would come from a tree. In the garden, there were trees that had delicious food and streams to drink from. So the wood in the first example is a subtle hint that points us to the cross. Life setbacks and suffering can make you bitter. But through the suffering love of Jesus, he offers us living water and good water to drink. He told the woman at the well, if you knew the water that I had to offer, you would ask me for a drink. Jesus has experienced the suffering of thirst, so he knows what we go through, and he gives a drink of water that will quench our thirst and satisfy our soul. It's the greatest drink in the whole wide world, and it's free. It's better than Budweiser or a glass of wine. The second example is just a couple chapters later in Exodus. They had went through the wilderness and complained how they ate meat in Egypt. So the Lord sent them quail and manna from heaven. It just dropped from the sky. It was miraculous food and provision. You would think they would start trusting God. I mean, he set them free. He gave them water to drink. Now he's given them food to eat. Their confidence should be beaming. I mean, Yahweh, the greatest of all the gods, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has got our back. I mean, he's taking care of us, I mean, after all. But after the wilderness and moving from place to place, they came to another place that didn't have water. And again, they complained and demanded, give us something to drink. The last time they said... What are we going to drink? Now they're saying, Give us something to drink. They were tormented with thirst. They argued with Moses and complained, Did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us with thirst? You would think they would have remembered how the Lord provided water before and and just prayed with confidence that the Lord hears them. But they were tormented with thirst. So I kind of want to have compassion on them. Moses cried out to the Lord and he went out in front of them and he struck a rock and water gushed out and it says in the scriptures that they argued with Moses and they tested the Lord when they said is the Lord with us or not after all these miracles they had seen they still struggled to trust much like us we pray, God answers and then something else happens and we wonder where's God, has he forgot us is he with us or not The third example is similar and takes place after they leave Mount Sinai and sometime later. It's in Numbers chapter 20. Again, they come to a place with no water. They rebel and complain against Moses and God. Why did you bring us here? We should have died in the the presence of the Lord on Mount Sinai or back in Egypt. Moses goes to the tabernacle this time to pray, and Yahweh is very specific and tells him to speak to a rock. But he doesn't do it. He's frustrated with these stubborn people, and he hits the rock twice, but water gushes out. However, this causes Moses a great loss. Yahweh tells him he didn't speak to the rock. Okay, He hit it instead. And and he did this because he didn't trust the Lord enough and he didn't demonstrate his holiness to the people. And as a result, he would not be allowed to enter into the promised land. These two examples give us a picture. I mean, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He's the rock of ages. On the cross, the Roman soldiers took a spear and pierced his side and blood and water flowed out. Emphasis added on the water. This is intentionally mentioned in the gospel about the blood and the water flowing out of Jesus. What does all this mean, though? It's kind of mysterious. Paul said in First Corinthians, and he he says this as a warning to them that we need to learn from the failures that we read about in the Old Testament. He says they all drank the same water from the same spiritual rock, and that rock was christ but the lord wasn't pleased with them again what does it all mean jesus offers to all of us who come to him living waters that will refresh you and give you eternal life as it says in isaiah 55 is anyone thirsty come and drink if you have no money come and drink it's free but there's also a warning that we must heed in hebrews that encourage us not that encourage us not to be like those in the wilderness. They had an evil and an unbelieving heart and didn't enter into his rest or the promised land. Jesus is the new promised land flowing with milk and honey. Let us trust his love. Nothing can separate us from his love. Jesus' sixth statement on the cross is, it is finished. What does this mean? Well, as I mentioned earlier in the Gospel of John, it says Jesus fulfilled his mission. So what was his mission? Jesus said himself, I came to suffer, to be betrayed, to be crucified, and to rise again. And this would happen to fulfill scriptures. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He didn't come to abolish the law of Moses, but to fulfill them. What does all that mean? It means Jesus came to fulfill what the scriptures said. He did this in a prophetic sense, but it means much more than that. He came to demonstrate to us what it means to be, as a human, created in the image of the Father, what it means to live out the essence of the law. What is the essence of the law? Well, in Deuteronomy, before they go to enter into the Promised Land, Moses exhorts the children of Israel. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and body. This is what our Father in heaven is looking for. Love. We need love to take possession of the promised land or the promises of God. Love God, love others. And you will fulfill the law, is what Paul says in Romans. Love God. Loving God comes first. You can't love, you can't love people without loving God. Some try to focus on loving people without f- without focus on loving God others focus on loving God and they kind of don't love people so much another way of saying this is some people focus a lot of attention on being devoted to God while others focus a lot of attention on caring for people and sometimes people divide over which one is more important but the two are one they go together like a horse and a carriage if you you can't have one without the other if you, if you don't have a horse and you don't have a carriage, you can't, you know if they're not hooked up together, you can't go anywhere. So if we want to move forward, we need to love God and we need to love others. It is finished also means that Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial part of the law of Moses. We don't need to sacrifice lambs, goats, and bulls anymore. <clears throat> it says in Hebrews, For it isn't possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, but Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away sins. The sacrifices under the law of Moses couldn't provide perfect cleansing of sin for those who came to worship. This is why the sacrifices were repeated year after year. But the blood of Jesus provides for us the perfect cleansing. So he only needed to be sacrificed once and for all. Jesus said he desires Mercy, not sacrifice. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't make sacrifices, but it's much different. It comes from a different starting point. We sacrifice now because of love. We sacrifice because, love, because we love Him and we're seeking to love others. Another meaning of it is finished comes from Genesis 2.2. 2. In the creation account, it says, After He completed the creation of the heavens and the earth, on the seventh day... God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Jesus said he came to do the works of the Father. The cross was a work that the Father and the Son had planned before the foundation of the world. As the scriptures say, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. The cross is a work of creation, but a different kind. It's a new creation. The resurrected man, Jesus, is this new creation, All who trust in him, as the scriptures say, are a new creation, and old things have passed away. When we actively follow Jesus, we are being renewed in our inward man, and in our soul, in our mind, and in our emotions, in our will. The Holy Spirit breathes his life into our mortal body and souls. We are changed from glory to glory, but our bodies are not changing, not in the positive sense. We're getting old, and we're dying. But one day, you know, we get, we're going to get a new created body. A body like the resurrected Jesus. Then that new creation will be complete. We have the new creation now. But one day, we can say it's finished when we have that new body. It is finished also means death is finished. Separation from God is finished. Shame is finished. We are now His beloved sons and daughters he has clothed us with his royal garments and he has given us his glory and honor. Jesus' seventh and final statement on the cross Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. What is Jesus saying? Well, the simple version is Father, I trust you with my life. Even though my enemies appear to have succeeded, even though I'm being mocked and ridiculed, even though I feel like I have been abandoned and I'm dying of thirst. Father I trust you with my life the children of Israel were thirsty and they complained against Moses and God who delivered them from slavery with a mighty hand they still couldn't trust him they still couldn't enter into his rest or his or to the promise but we have Jesus now who could trust the father he said i'm thirsty but he said i trust you so now because he suffered and overcame He can help us trust the Father. We can say, Father, I trust you with my life. I might feel like I'm hanging on a cross right now. But death is finished, and the light of the resurrection will come in the morning. Weeping may endure through the night. Joy comes in the morning. After Jesus utters his last words and breathes his last breath, it says the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. not familiar with this the curtain was a big deal it separated the holy place from the most holy place in the temple only the high priest was allowed to go into the most holy place once a year why is this mentioned and what is the meaning the curtain in the temple represents the old way of relating to god through the law of moses jesus fulfilled the law of moses so the old way is finished and now there's a new and a living way We relate to the Father through Jesus and the finished work of the cross. The purpose of the tabernacle and the temple was so God could abide with his people. But these things pointed to something greater. I mean, the great God who created the heavens and the earth doesn't dwell in temples made by man. But now we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people, when they talk about being the temple of the Holy Spirit, they mean this or say this in relation to food or diet. But this is not the context that Paul is mentioning in Corinthians when he says it. The context, the context was some of the men in the church were sleeping with prostitutes, and he asked them, Don't you know your body is the temple of the living God? God's purpose from the very beginning in the garden, garden was to dwell with his sons and daughters. But Adam and Eve disobeyed and they got kicked out of the garden. The purpose of the cross is to restore us to the Father's abiding presence that now lives in our mortal bodies. As Paul said, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in our mortal bodies. What a mystery. How powerful. Now, this concludes the series on the suffering love of Jesus. I hope you were encouraged and hope you have a better understanding of the suffering of Jesus. This is a subject we could dig into and find a lot more gems, but now I'm going to move on and come back to it later. Stay tuned for one more moment and I'll tell you what's coming up next. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Freedom Podcast podcast. If you have a topic, a testimony, or questions you would like for me to address on the podcast, feel free to email me at the Jesus Freedom Podcast at gmail.com. My plans for the future are to work on doing some more interviews. I have a couple people who told me they would. I just need to catch up with them. Also, I plan to continue the story of Jesus. After Jesus rose from the dead, he walked on earth as a new resurrected man for 40 days. I want to explore this and what it means. So those are my plans coming up. Once again, I thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day.